This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. How can civil engineering professionals get more involved with climate change or renewable energy projects? I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I will be talking with Paul Lee. Paul's a licensed professional engineer. He is also an energy policy analyst. That's an energy policy analyst at the City of Los Angeles Mayor's Office of Sustainability. Paul was named the 2019 ASCE New Face of Civil Engineering and was also chosen for the lead role in the new ASCE film called Cities of the Future, Reimagining Our World. And so in this episode, he talks a little bit about how there's so many different opportunities for civil engineering professionals, many of which we don't even know about. And he gets into how a civil engineer can get involved in climate change and renewable energy. And he also talks about his experience in shooting the movie and really becoming a movie star, which is really interesting. It's a fun episode. I hope you can take something out of it, and I'm excited to jump into it. Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'm excited to welcome our guest onto the podcast today. Paul Lee is an energy policy analyst at the City of Los Angeles Mayor's Office of Sustainability. We'll hear a little bit about that in a few minutes. But Paul, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So just to get us started, Paul, tell us a little bit about your career background, your journey up to date, how you got to where you are today. I'm a civil engineer by training. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why you brought me on. But I really wanted to do a lot of work in sustainability, finding climate change. And really, one thing had really led to another, which is how I ended up in this field of policymaking as opposed to engineering. But I really started out, I studied civil engineering over at UCLA, but I really wanted to have a more expansive view of kind of like my role within the profession. I minored in urban planning and earth sciences. And from there, I did a master's at Berkeley on civil infrastructure and climate change. It kind of like opened my eyes to like different opportunities that civil engineers had in combating climate change, building energy systems, like reducing carbon dioxide emissions. And from there, I worked at a utility for about four to five years. And from there, I just got really into policymaking, 
using my technical experience and helping to communicate that to decision makers. And I saw an opportunity to work for the mayor. I took it. And for the last year, year and a half, I've been doing some real hardcore policymaking on like, we have to do X, Y, and Z to reduce our carbon emissions. We have to do so-and-so to get our grid to 100% clean energy, to decarbonize our buildings and transportation systems. So really just started off as a civil engineer, but learned a lot of things outside the discipline. And one thing led to another, and here I am working for an elected official. Yeah, it's really interesting what you said about making that transition into policy, because I feel like that's something that maybe a lot of civil engineers might not think of just because we're not that exposed to it. You know, we're mostly focused on the technical stuff early in our careers, but the policy is where real change can happen, of course. Right. And so I'm wondering in terms of that decision for you, like, what was it that drove that? Was that some of the work that you did in your master's degree or what made you like really get interested in policy? I think I always had an inkling for policy, just having taken some public policy classes and my undergrad and graduate program, and then being in a master's right now, it's strictly in public administration. So I kind of understood the language for a little bit, and I really wanted an opportunity to practice it. And so it wasn't a gigantic shift in career. So I, I kind of had some experience with it, a little bit of experience as well as an engineer, just interfacing with the public, with elected officials. And so it wasn't a jarring transition, but it was a big jump from doing technical calculations to more writing memos, writing speeches, doing some overarching policy recommendations. But I'm still using the engineering mindset, <laughs> being using critical decision making, applying analytics, being as objective as possible. The skills that you learn as an engineer can really be transferable to policymaking, I think. It's an important part of civil engineering because we can have all these ideas for great designs and things that we want to accomplish, but without the policy, we may not be able to actually get them to happen. So I think having someone like yourself who has a good understanding of civil engineering, being able to help hopefully drive some policy and, and get involved at, at the level of like the mayor's office, I think can be very beneficial for our community, quite frankly, right? To make things happen, hopefully. So before you worked for the mayor's office. You had a couple of different positions where you were working on projects related to energy and renewable energy. And I know you worked at the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. Maybe you can talk just a little bit about renewable energy in terms of some of the challenges that civil engineers might face in working in those types of projects. I think renewable energy is going to be such a huge field for civil engineers, especially as California in particular, and then the rest of the United States really wants to get off fossil fuels and, and try and go 100% clean energy. Civil energy, we're just, we're going to have to build and sometimes literally move mountains to build these huge infrastructure systems like solar farms, wind farms, energy storage systems, I know geothermal all of which will need civil engineers to move the dirt, to put steel on the ground, to do project management, to do the surveying. And so there's a huge opportunity out there for civil engineers to really reshape the landscape and put renewable energy systems like on the ground. You're gonna have to have tens of thousands of miles of transmission lines. I think there's a few challenges that aren't strictly engineering related, but then are gonna be huge hurdles that we're gonna have to overcome is like the amount of land that we'll need both on people's rooftops and out in the deserts and out in farmlands, just the sheer volume. I think one project that I worked on in out in the desert was about a 2000 acre solar farm. It was like the first grid scale 
solar and battery system for the city of LA. It's called Beacon Solar and Energy Storage System. And yeah, it's the size of a small city. And that's just one project. And we're going to need dozens, if not hundreds of these projects that are going to have to just be built. And so just the sheer volume and scale of the projects that will need to happen, like solar, wind, geothermal, but then also just kind of getting those things permitted, approved, built, getting everybody on board with building these, like like any large infrastructure system. And then you have a whole host of other engineering challenges that are a little bit more electrical and mechanical in nature. So I don't know if the civil engineers really want to delve there, but I think there are kind of key challenges in energy storage, like the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow, and we're going to need massive new technologies in terms of energy storage to really kind of like balance out the grid, make sure that we can have like 24-7 clean energy. It's really clear that there are just so many opportunities in civil engineering, period, from whether you want to get involved in policy, renewable energy, we're going to talk in a minute about climate change. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have Paul on is because I think a lot of civil engineers, when they graduate, they really don't understand the breadth of what they can accomplish or the different opportunities that are available to them because we kind of get into the silos of our educational background, like the undergraduate courses that we take, you know, whatever they may be, geotechnical, structural analysis, hydrology, and like we're just thinking in those buckets, but there are so many things that maybe encompass all of those things or have different combinations of those together. So I think that's one of the things that I'm thinking about already, Paul, just from talking to you for a few minutes, that there's just an unlimited amount of opportunities for civil engineers. Yeah, for sure. There's so many opportunities. I think just like one problem is that there isn't like a well-established pipeline from undergraduate civil engineering to working in the renewable energy field. You know, like structural engineers, you do your structural undergrad, you get your master's, And you have like a dozen or so companies that you can just apply for and get a job doing structural engineering. With civil engineering, it's not as obvious. You have traditional companies that are doing, you know, site planning for solar farms. You have traditional construction companies that are doing project management for these companies. And so you just have to like look a little bit harder, but the opportunities are are definitely out there. Yeah, that's interesting too. And that may present an opportunity in the future. And I know ASCE has helped with this a little bit, and we'll talk about AC in a little bit. But in terms of like thinking about the undergraduate curriculum, I mean, it's hard to keep evolving a curriculum because there's only a certain number of credits we have time for and there's certain requirements. But having some kind of course that can turn us on or turn students on to the different types of possible opportunities like renewable energy and things of that nature could be very beneficial in the future. But again, I know there's a lot to balance there with that, but we'll see what comes of that. But I do want to talk a little bit more about climate change because you did mention that you did your master's around, you know, that was one of the key things that you focused on in your master's degree. What is the role of civil engineers in combating climate change? I mean, we hear about it so much, but specifically related to civil engineering. I think there's kind of like the micro level that civil engineers can immediately have an impact on climate change. And it just sort of gives us macro society-wide system level influence that civil engineers can hopefully have years down the line. And so like immediately, I think just in terms of better material usage, so definitely concrete, asphalt, cement production is still a high contributor of greenhouse gas emissions. It's just the nature of the materials. And so just being able to spec out low carbon concrete maybe using better materials, like using things called life cycle assessments on their building materials. Like as you're designing structural systems, like considering like the carbon footprint of the materials that you're using or going to a vendor that has a lower carbon footprint, like maybe your steel is a little bit greener or your concrete's a little bit greener. So you can dramatically just start shaving off carbon emissions right away in just the way that you spec 
your structural systems. And then from there, I think there's a little bit more of like a macro scale because sometimes civil engineers often work with urban planners or policymakers to do like system design, like our transportation systems or our entire energy systems. And just making recommendations about like, yeah, maybe we can build a new fossil power plant or maybe we can build instead a solar farm and maybe some batteries instead that can do just about the same thing. There's also opportunities in like widespread EV planning and large rail infrastructures. Like, do we really need another lane of highway or can we replace it with maybe a rail system? Like, do we need to build, you know, things for fossil fuel combustion cars? Maybe we can just build out more EV charging stations instead and kind of like work with urban planners and the EV industry to, to really make electric vehicles more of a thing and more accessible to folks. So I think that's a little bit more on the macro scale and not as obvious, like a little bit more in the transportation engineering realm. But I think there are just real ways that civil engineers can start thinking about kind of like reducing the carbon emissions just in our daily practice and the way that we can advocate and work in fields that can have a more systemic influence. I think that's great. I like the idea of looking at it from the micro and the macro level, because again, what that tells me is that civil engineers with different experience levels and different positions can be helpful, right? At the micro level, if you're very technical in nature, you're doing work where you have to spec out concrete, asphalt, things of that nature, you can have an impact, but also at a leadership level, whatever, the, whether it's a policy level or, you know, different levels, which is important because I think like you want everyone to feel like they can make an impact. And it sounds like from what you're saying is that really civil engineers at every level of their career can make an impact with regards to climate change. You just have to think through ways to do it. You don't need to have the job title of like sustainability engineer or director of climate change or whatever. Like I would argue that like most civil engineers can have a meaningful impact. It might just take a little bit of work to, to research or advocate. I know it might not be well-established within your respective positions, but then just voicing your concerns and wanting to do more. Maybe you want this project that you're working on to be LEED certified or Envision certified, which are like green rating standards to kind of promote sustainability within the infrastructure that we build. So it's just small things that we can really do. And then just getting the word out, just making people aware that these opportunities are available. Yeah, I really like what you said there about the title, because I always tell people you don't have to be the president of a company to be a leader. And I feel like it's the same thing that you're saying. You don't have to be a climate change specialist to impact climate change or help to reduce climate change. You could just be a civil engineer and there's a million probably different things you could do in your jobs every day that can help contribute in some way, shape or form. It's just about thinking about it. And hopefully, you know, one of the ideas of having Paul on the podcast here is just to hopefully make civil engineers aware of it, that you can contribute in some way, regardless of your title. I'm sure in some way, everyone can. Paul, we already talked about earlier that you work for a politician now and, you know, you made a transition from a civil engineer who was doing, you know, more technical things into a policymaking role. Now that you've had some time, I know it hasn't been a ton of time, but you've had some time to transition into this role. Can you talk a little bit about how that transition has gone in terms of, I would imagine taking a job like that For me, one of the things I would think about is, how am I going to make this transition? So maybe you can share some kind of lessons learned so far from your experience. Like I said before, I had a little bit of taste of it through school, a little bit of it while I was at my local utility, but I just went in headfirst, like start doing the work right away. And so I think a little bit of a learning curve was the the writing, the communication piece. So I went from doing a little bit more technical writing 
and analytic reports into things that are more public facing and things that have to convince legislators or, or politicians. So things that are more simplified, condensed, that tells a story that kind of spurs up more of an emotional response as opposed to these technical reports with like a summary table with recommendations of like, this is our least cost alternative, or this is like our most impactful alternative based on like the engineering calculations. And so that part was the most challenging, just putting my mindset of almost like a PR person of telling that story that can convince people, convince the lay person that this is the right thing to do based on the story that we can tell. But I'm still putting my engineering hat on where I'm doing a deep level analysis of like, what is the right solution? Like maybe doing this project as opposed to another project or implementing this new program to reduce carbon emissions as opposed to this one. And having like a rigorous analysis on my end on what the best solution is, but creating that story, creating that narrative that can really convince the public and decision makers to adopt the solution. I would imagine that when you make a transition like that, there's really two big challenges. One of them being the hard skills, like you just referenced some of the writing and things that you have to do that you're not used to doing as a, as a technical professional, which it sounds like you're navigating well and learning on as you go, which is great. But I think there's also probably like a philosophical challenge of like, now I'm doing policy as opposed to engineering. And it sounds to me like from what you said earlier, what may have been helpful for you, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but you had some interest in policy and you were interested in it in the past, which I would think would making that leap might be a little bit easier. Whereas I could see a civil engineer who maybe wasn't thinking about it that much and they saw the opportunity, that could be a challenge. So do you think that that helped you because you had interest in that in policy? I think so. It definitely kind of introduced me to this space. But as far as like being prepared for it, I don't think any amount of like schoolwork can prepare you for the real world, not to like criticize academia. But I think just, yeah, that real world experience is is something else. And the only way to really learn is to just learn by doing. And like within my office, there are, there have been a lot of engineers that kind of rotates through the mayor's office that are in this intersection between the technical and the policy. And a lot of them really do thrive. Like they're able to navigate this space. They're able to learn the skills well. They're able to be like this really relied upon technical expert that can navigate both the engineering side and also the policy side. I don't think I'm I'm the exception. I think most engineers can have the, the capacity to do what I do. It just needs a little bit of training, a little bit of experience. Being open to it and understanding that it's even a viable possibility to do it. I mean, I think that that's always a big first step in anything. Like if people don't know that these opportunities are available, then they may not seek them out, right? And I think, again, that's one of the reasons that we really were excited to talk to Paul today to kind of get that idea out there that there are different things you can do as a civil engineer where you're still going to lean on your technical background. You may not be doing like calculations and stuff anymore, but there's other things you can do, which I know some civil engineers would prefer that. That's, I think, hopefully the value here. We're going to switch it up a little bit now because we want to talk about movies. Paul's going to be a movie star, at least in the eyes of civil engineers. So, Paul, you were chosen for the lead role in the new ASC film called Cities of the Future, Reimagining Our World. So, first of all, tell us how you ended up being chosen for this movie. I'm still wondering about that as we speak, but I'd like to imagine, you know, like my years of involvement within ASCE. I was I was chosen as a new face in 2019. I think that got me a little bit of exposure. I had an interesting and inspiring story to tell to the future generation, which is that I'm helping to plan the city of the future. I'm not necessarily building it quite yet. It's not 2050. It's not 100 years from now, obviously. 
I'm helping to put the groundwork for a future city to thrive, which is transitioning LA to going 100% carbon free or net zero carbon by by mid century, and then trying to get LA to 100% clean energy well well before that in a little over a decade. I'm working on building the city of the future. And as a civil engineer, I think that's a very interesting story that can inspire a lot of kids to pursue this field. Like, I think it's important for students to realize that we have a hopeful future. Our world is not going to be decimated by climate change. Like, we can do things to both mitigate the impacts, so to prevent climate change from being as bad as it is, but also building cities that can thrive in the face of climate change. So even if we'll have extreme heat, extreme weather events, you know, more more storms and climate hazards that we can build cities that are resilient and can thrive and be these prosperous cities that we design around climate change and we're, we're working around it and building a better future. Congratulations on that. I think the movie itself is obviously a great initiative and the fact that you were chosen is awesome and excited to see how it all works out. And to the extent that you're allowed to, you know, what can you share about the movie? Is it basically going to be different civil engineers that are going to be sharing different stories or... I'll speak to what what I've been involved with so far. I think the script is still in progress. We're still filming. We're going to be featuring at a minimum three cities, LA, Amsterdam, and Singapore. And we're going to be working with, you know, innovators, engineers in these various cities that are really helping to make their respective cities, like the city of the future. Like in Singapore, one of the most greenest cities out there that's really integrating nature. It's really hot in Singapore, but nature provides a cooling effect. It really provides you know, health and well-being to its residents. I think Amsterdam is like the bike capital of the world. You don't really see too many cars in the city center. Like everyone bikes, everyone's healthier for it. The air is better for it. People are safer for it. And really talking to these experts about how that came to be and also other innovations that these cities are doing just to prepare for the city of the future. And obviously LA trying to go 100% clean energy as fast as we're trying to. So really talking to these technical experts about their journey in the present and then kind of like their vision for what cities can be in their respective cities. In terms of being able to have the time to do this, is it something you have to travel a lot? Like what does that look like in relation to your everyday life? I was in Amsterdam for, you know, one to two weeks. I was in Singapore for a little over a week. So that was one of the most exciting parts about making this movie was just being able to travel and see the world. And like, I became a better engineer for just being able to see the world kind of outside the United States and talking to these experts too. All right. Well, this has been really interesting stuff. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to wrap up by putting Paul on the civil engineering hot seat. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. We are back with Paul Lee. Paul is a civil engineer now working in policies. We've talked a lot about how he made that transition. He's focused on helping with climate change going forward, contributing, you know, civil engineers, we can really contribute to kind of mitigating climate change. And that's one of his focuses for sure. Paul, we're going to wrap up here. We're going to throw a couple of questions at you that we call the civil engineering hot seat questions. Just bounce them off you career related. And the first thing I'm going to ask you is, do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day, whether it's a morning routine, a lunchtime routine, just like something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success in your career? I think my life has been a little chaotic 
as of late, <laughs> trying to balance work and school um, and travel. It's a cliche, but definitely coffee helps <laughs> in my morning routine. But I really try and stay active and, and spend quality time with friends and family as much as I can. Healthy body, healthy mind, having a healthy work-life balance, I think it's definitely keep me grounded and prevent me from, from really burning out. But as far as like other rituals, I'm trying to get into a rhythm. But with all the chaos and, and changes, it's been hard to get into a steady rhythm. But coffee and exercise, I strongly advocate is efficacy. Paul, do you happen to have a book or books that have been helpful for you in your career that you say, hey, that's the one book I really remember that it helped me a lot or not so much? A lot of the books that I've read and I've like changed my view on the world are a little esoteric. <laughs> They're like very like specialized in like a specific field. I read like all sorts of books on like math and like the human condition, philosophy. Um, I read like memoirs of certain like high profile individuals. But I would say for me as a civil engineer, especially in Los Angeles, something that really kind of helped me pursue the space in the beginning was actually called Cadillac Desert. It's a story about how LA and various parts of, of the American West got their water and just kind of like the fragility of our water system. And it's like California is in a mega drought and we're using water systems that are just so susceptible to climate change. It was just a book that was like very eye-opening. Like we, we thought as engineers that we can dominate nature and control it the way we do. But in reality, it's just, we have very little control over it. It was more like a humbling book, just a, a different perspective to see the way that we build our infrastructure. For those interested in, in water, that's a book that I highly recommend. And then another book that I kind of like love and the movie was great is The Martian. It's really about like putting yourself in an engineering mindset, solving problem, one problem after another can, you know, save your life or change things or kind of make a big impact by putting that calm, by really understanding the problem, putting that engineering mindset and solving one problem after another can really lead to big things. Thinking back so far on some of the managers that you may have had in your career, and certainly not asking you to name names or anything, but just thinking of your managers and the ones that maybe you've liked or you've had good relationships with, you know, what made them good managers? Just trying to understand, like, in the civil engineering world, like, what are some of the characteristics you think of good, strong managers? There were a couple of my bosses from my previous job at my local utility. I think the ones that, the, some of the traits that I really had valued looking back is that they were so focused on my personal growth. They put their staff above the work, which it's hard to articulate how that is, but they were really kind of empowering the individual, making sure that they can do the work, that they're being properly challenged, that they had everything that they need. And they felt an employee that felt belonged at the company and that could thrive in the company. Less worried about you know key performance indices, less concerned about the bottom line, but really about your own personal growth. And that's something that I really took to heart. And then as I took on interns and I, as I had to take on a little bit more leadership positions, that's something that I really tried to embody. That it's not about me. Like if I'm in a team, it's about the people doing the work. It's about empowering them, making sure that they're fully equipped and then that they're in a good you know, state of mind to, to thrive within this company. So that was like some of my managers from my previous company. And then the manager that I have right now is such an amazing individual, so smart, so articulate. 
like has some of the most highest performing as far as like her writing, her speaking, the the relationships that she's built. And I treat her more as this boss lady that I can just like learn from by osmosis. And so kind of like different traits and different attributes that I've really kind of learned from, from different managers. And so good managers inspire people, both inspires and cultivates the people that work for them. All right, I've got one last question for you, Paul. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a, let's say a young civil engineer, someone starting out their career, and you only had about 30 or 40 seconds to give him or her career advice, like based on your journey to date, what would you tell them? Don't worry about the future in terms of making perfect decisions. So I know that's something that a lot of young people worry. So like, am I going to the right school Am I applying for the right internship? Am I am I doing all these right things? I would say take a deep breath, pursue, understand what you really care about and see what opportunities are out there for you right now and pursue something that more or less encapsulates most of the things that you care about. Go to that opportunity position school, give it your all. And from there, you'll find even more opportunities from there. And so don't worry too much about your immediate present decisions. Just relax a little bit, work hard, keep your options open. And eventually you'll find to finding your dream job. It just takes a little bit of patience and open-mindedness. Paul, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. I wish you the best in your position with policy. I'm, I'm sure you'll go on to do great things. And I also wish you the best in finishing up with the ASCE film. I know everyone's kind of looking forward to seeing how it turns out. So thanks so much for spending some time with us. Now, this was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Paul. To me, what's always been fascinating about the field of civil engineering is that there are so many different things that you can do with a civil engineering degree and education. And unfortunately, I feel like we don't even know a lot of them that exist. And so my hope is that as we continue to publish this podcast from time to time, we can feature professionals like Paul that do interesting and maybe unique jobs as civil engineers that we don't always hear about. And so if you do know someone that has a job that maybe a lot of civil engineering professionals wouldn't realize is a possibility, reach out to us and certainly let us know. You can contact us by going to the website, civilengineeringpodcast.com, and you'll also be able to find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.